When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A long Labor Day weekend comes to a close. Welcome to TC Live at the U.S. Open, presented by Evian. Abraham Lincoln once said that he dreamt of a place and a time where America will once again be seen as the last best hope on earth. And for those in New York today, the U.S. Open represents that hope, the last best chance to raise a symbol of Grand Slam glory. A lot to get to over the next two hours. Nick Kyrgios stole the show Sunday night by knocking off world number one, Daniil Medvedev. So will Nick have a date with destiny in New York City? Plus, could we have two teenage champions at the same U.S. Open? Coco Goff and Carlitos Alcaraz head into week two looking to make history. And after winning the Open in 2002, he left the sport as the greatest men's champion of all time. 20 years later... Pete Sampras salutes Serena Williams on her farewell. There is still much work to be done on Labor Day. Top-ranked American Jesse Pagula looking to make her first quarterfinal at the U.S. Open. This on Arthur Ashe. Francis Tiafo can be the youngest to do it since Andy Roddick playing Rafa Nadal. Daniel Collins and Alcaraz headline the night session. Over on Louis Armstrong, women's top seed Iga Sviantek tries to make her deepest run in New York. Two former number ones go head-to-head with Azarenka and Pliskova. Plus, Yannick Sinner hopes to complete his box set of major quarterfinals. Come on in. Different setup today. This is your two-hour pregame show to get you ready for first ball. We've got the coaching legend, Paul Anacone. We've got 60 Minutes Sports Illustrated's great John Wertheim. I'm Steve Weissman. And today, we welcome in Grand Slam champion Chanda Rubin all the way from New York City. It is great to have you back on the show. Chanda, how are things going? It's great to be here. You guys are worth it. I am a long ways away, but I'm putting in the effort for you. But it's, it's been fantastic to be here in New York, to be on site, feel all the energy. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how the rest of the, the week, the second week goes. Janet, welcome. Nice to see you. Give us your take on week one and Serena in particular. What, what struck you? What, what are your memories of that first week? Uh, it's been an incredible first week and you know it's one that i have never seen before and i don't think i will ever see again i mean first and foremost the fact that serena was going to be playing in her last us open as far as we know uh, but there was just so much surrounding it we had the farewell videos they were playing before every match that was unheard of the crowd was unbelievable the noise level the support for serena it was almost like they were trying to will her over the finish line each match. And, you know, it was difficult to imagine what her opponents were feeling. That was difficult to play in and under those conditions. But I thought everybody did a terrific job. Annette Contivate, how did she battle um, and really force Serena uh, down to the wire in the end? And I think for Isla Tomlianovich, just showed, saw a lot in her game, how calm she was able to stay. I think that helped her tremendously, not getting upset, not getting uh, frustrated with the crowd. But Serena, she used the crowd beautifully and gave this New York fans everything they could have hoped for. 
would have liked to have seen her maybe go one or two steps further, but what a tremendous effort and, and so impressive in what was already a stellar career. It's, uh, it was amazing to watch all that stuff, Chanda. For the other great players there, it must have been a little bit bizarre. I was trying to keep my eye on Rafa Nadal, see how he reacted. A little bit slow the first couple of rounds, played some choppy tennis, losing the first two sets. Good against Gasquet, which is normal since he's beaten him 350 times <laughs> in a row. But what's been your take about Rafa so far in the tournament? I think it's been tough for, you know, really all the other players in the draw. And you think about Rafa Nadal, how big of a, a, you know, wave he creates when he is able to play, especially with the year he's had. But we weren't really talking a lot about Nadal with everything going on with Serena. So I think things have kind of settled a little bit back to the norms. That first round for Nadal, Hijikata, I just thought he came up against a hot, confident opponent who played some inspired tennis. Nadal had to work it out and figure it out in real time. That's one of the things he is the best at. Uh, it was it was a little surprising, the first set, his start against Fabio Fonini, especially with how much he knows of Fonini, what he has to do um, in that matchup. And for the first time, you really saw his, his player box getting a little concerned. I mean, they were getting up on their feet, trying to get the energy for Nadal, trying to help him figure it out, hit his nose during the match. I mean, there was so much going on. And you just wondered, is he going to work through this? But he did. He got better um, towards the end of that match. And I think it actually helped playing against an opponent like Gasquet, who he is so comfortable against. He was able to sort of reset and kind of find his norms again. And maybe that helps him settle down even more with the scares he had in the first two matches, the first two rounds. Maybe this is, is what he needed to kind of really get his teeth into the tournament. Well, Chanda, we can have Rafa Nadal get back to number one in the world. We shall see. He's got a big match today against Francis Tiafo and Rafa already coming on to site and get his preparation going. Rafa Nadal, four-time U.S. Open champion, can get to 23. Ty Serena Williams in that major total count. A lot to get to here on the big show. We've got our Evian Americans in action featuring Big Foe. Plus, Prakash Worldwide going no limit. And, of course, we chat with USTA CEO Lou Scher about the impact of Serena Williams. A lot of Serena to get to. But next, the final eight filled with first-timers. We'll get you caught up on everything that went down yesterday, from Coco to Kyrgios and much, much more. TC Live at the U.S. Open is presented by Evian, proud sponsor of the U.S. Open. Shannon, John, Paul, Steve, back on TC Live, presented by Evian. USOpen.org is your online home for point-by-point -point live scoring, highlights, real-time stats, and draws. Visit the official tournament site at USOpen.org. All right, let's get back to the highlights. This was a fourth round that felt like a final, Paul. Nick Kyrgios, Daniil Medvedev. Putting on a show inside Arthur Ashe Stadium. Guys, I don't want to tell you I told you so, but I told you so. There you go. It was electricity out here. Look at this 12-11 in the tiebreak. It was a titanic battle in the first set. The Australian got through it, and then uh, 
Then there was a little bit of craziness at the beginning of the second, but some good battles, some great rallies, and Medvedev shows just how difficult it is to finish points. That one was very costly, and that gave Medvedev the break and got him on a roll in the third. We wondered how Nick was going to respond with all that talent of his. Look at this move right here, guys. Notice the score. It's 1-0, Kyrgios, 30-all. And Nick crosses the net, which you're not allowed to do, and take the ball out of the air. Now, if the ball bounces on his side and then comes back, then he can reach over or go around. But you can't run through there, Nick. You should know better. Uh, anyway, did not get that game, but boy, did he raise it up after that, playing some great tennis. It was just electric in there. Nick Kyrgios creates so many problems for so many players. Even the world number one, Medvedev tried to return from different positions, in close, backed up, did different things, but that man was not ruffled, and he did a great job. Kyrgios into his first quarterfinal at the U.S. Open. The defending champion is out. Yeah, Nick, Nick played good. Uh, I mean, it was pretty even till the third set, and he got a little bit the, uh, the better of me. It's a pity because today I felt a little bit uh, sick, and uh, the thing is that in US, I, in USA I, I get sick once time uh, for sure in the swing because the AC is just crazy. And I think that physically maybe that uh, played a, bit, a, li a little bit of a role. Uh, and at the same time, that's not a, an excuse at all because Nick played uh, good and he he played uh, he beat me in Montreal. I was not sick, <laughs> so uh, yeah. But that's uh, what it is. I feel like I've just been able to showcase. You know, there's a lot of celebrities here. There's a lot of important people here watching, and I wanted to, you know, get on that court and, and show them that I am able to put my head down and play and win these big matches. And for the tennis world, I think it's important as well because people are really starting to doubt my ability to pull out matches like this at, at, at majors and. I'm really proud of myself, honestly, because it hasn't been easy dealing with all the criticism. As he should be, Nick Kyrgios up to 18 in the live rankings. He is the number one Aussie again, and that's without the Wimbledon yeah. final points, Chanda, which is so impressive. What impressed you the most about how he got past the world number one? I was impressed with how he reset. That second set went very quickly in Medvedev's favor. And towards the end of it, we kind of wondered, Kyrgios self-destruct, would he go away and just kind of, you know, chalk it up? Uh, and I think the fact that he battled to get on the board, to kind of get a little momentum at the end of the second, he was able to take that into the third. And I was also impressed with how calm he stayed overall. There were a few moments where he started chirping. He was talking about the serve clock and how quickly they were resetting that on him. And he needed time to get back and get his towel. A few moments where it just looked like he was going to try to create a problem. But he calmed down. He settled and got into the back into that match very quickly. And he needed to against Medvedev, who was so solid and almost not giving Kyrgios a little pace at times. I think that was something Kyrgios had to work through, but he did a beautiful job on serve, gave himself some opportunity stepping in on returns. He went after that match and took it in the end, and it was an impressive performance. You say self-destruct in creating problems. Can we talk about the craziest way to lose a point I think I've ever seen in a tennis match? I want to ask this, though, to the uh, former players on the panel. I had another former player say he loved it. You know why? Because it showed he was in Medvedev's head. Look, I can do something crazy in the middle of this tight match. That's how confident I am of my ability. And as boneheaded as that was, I mean, 
I've never seen a play like that. But we, everybody sort of rolled their eyes and said, that's Nick. And I had a former player suggest it actually was a nice bit of strategy, whether that was by accident or by design, because it sort of showed Medvedev, look, this is how confident I am right now. I'm willing to do something like this. Thoughts? Paul Anacone and Chanda, what do you think? I'll tell you what, I, I think that's a little bit out there. I don't think Nick did it on purpose. Our good friend Patrick McEnroe had to explain the rule to him on the changeover, what he didn't do. And the thing that was shocking to me was the score line, right? It was 30-all. That would have given him a break point. <laughs> I mean, I understand that part about getting in Medvedev's head, but that's not the way to do it at that moment. And I actually think that's why Nick didn't respond so harshly to the chair or whatever, because he just wasn't sure about the rule. <laughs> But when you're playing as well as he was playing and you keep things reeled in mentally, focused with the task at hand, he is such a joy to watch and no one wants to play him. No one's safe. The best players in the world are not safe against Nick Kyrgios. And uh, I just want to see more tennis like that from him. It has been so much fun to watch. A focused Nick Kyrgios is the most dangerous tennis player in the world. He said three more matches and he may not have to ever play again. He might just drop the mic if he wins the U.S. Open. We got Casper Ruud in action against Quarantine Mute, John. Uh, the lucky loser could be the first to ever reach a major quarterfinal, but Ruud has hopes of getting to number one in the world. Yeah, Ruud, who entered the U.S. Open three and four at this event for his career. So sub 500 for a five seed. Shots like that are going to improve upon that record, and he was uh, terrific against lucky loser. You can see Mute is the, the lefty, lucky just to be in the draw, and he made the most of it, but his luck ran out yesterday. This was a nice touch here. Easy first two sets for Rude, the five seed. Mute made a nice match of this one, the third. There's a little bit of dispute. Uh, at one point, Mute was going to hit a ball out of a stadium and basically said, you know what, you want to penalize me? Get, go ahead, give me the game. I'm not going to succeed here anyway. And then Rude ended up closing this out. Long match, I mean, for... Four sets, three of which weren't really close, well over three hours. But Casper Rude, five seed, advances to the quarters. Said it was a dream to play in Arthur Ashe Stadium, and now we can tell his kids, future grandkids, future kids as well, by the way, for Casper, that he won in Arthur Ashe. Uh, we had a five-set thriller, Chanda, between Matteo Berrettini and Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. Well, this was the first match of the day, and they had this crowd on Armstrong rocking. Berrettini battling back after losing the first set, getting it in the tiebreak. He had to be aggressive, stepping in on returns like that. We know how big Berrettini can hit the forehand, but he was also getting it done on the backhand when he needed to. And into the fourth set, Davidovich Fokina, he turned the tables and was able to take it into the fifth. He's been an impressive guy, Davidovich Fokina. He is a good competitor. He forced Berrettini to come up with some of his best shots in the big moments. But at the end, Berrettini was just a little too much confidence. And this little flicker lob is a really perfect way to close. A fun, entertaining match. Berrettini gets it in five. How about this little nugget? Matteo Berrettini has now reached at least the quarterfinals in his last five major appearances. That is solid play from the Italian. So we've got Nick Kyrgios taking on Corinne Hatchinoff in the quarters and then Berrettini Rude. Those are some blockbusters as half of the final eight is already filled out. And the race for number one, Daniil Medvedev, he is out of there. So who's going to take over the top spot? Rafa Nadal controls his own destiny. He reaches the final. He is the number one man. But if not, could be Carlos Alcaraz, could be Kasparud for Alcaraz, would be the first teenager ever in the history of the HP rankings to get to number one.
Speaking of teenagers, coming up next, Coco Golf continues her quest for major success. Don't miss what had the crowd chanting her name. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Anacone Rubin, Wertheim Weissman back on TC Live at the U.S. Open presented by Evian. Our coverage begins every morning, two-hour show, 9 a.m. Eastern. ESPN carries the day session at 11 a.m. Eastern. And the night session over on the Deuce, 7 p.m. Eastern. Al-Jabur looking for her first win over Veronica Kudermatova in their fourth meeting, Paul. As John mentioned yesterday in the stat of the day, Kudermatova had won all 27 of her service games coming in. Yeah, well, that changed today, but uh, Al-Jabur has not had great luck against her in the past. Looks like the same was going to happen. 5-3 Kudermatova serving for that first set. Jabur turns it into overdrive break serve. And does a really nice job in the tiebreak. Again, using variety to get to offense. Look right here, forehand down the line. Winner gives her a 4 0 cushion, gets up to 6 1. Just some really good tennis from Jabur. Smart tennis, using great feel on the lob, the 1 2 punch on the passing sequence. And that seals the first set. Once she got that under her belt, lots of confidence for Jabur. Breaks here to go up 3 1. And, uh, Really a nice job uh, just staying concentrated and fighting hard, doing the right things, and uh, just a solid win to break uh, all of those losses to Kuder Matova. Yeah, 11 aces for Jabur continues to make some history. And then, John, we had Isla Tamjanovic coming off that win against Serena Williams, playing Ludmila Samsonova, who'd won 13 in a row coming in. Isla the Storm, a uh, much different type of environment from her previous match, and you know what? She backed it up quite nicely. Look at this. This is set point number four. There were eight of them in all, and Samsonova converted none of them. Isla just wouldn't back down. Eight. Another out. Look at that. That was only that was one of only nine winners, so a lot of nice defense. Samsonova, 56 unforced errors. Mm, that's a lot. Uh, that's a nice shot by Iowa, though. More of the same. This was really impressive. You beat Serena Williams, match of your career. 48 hours later, you're not on Ash. You're not playing the greatest of all time. Much different environment, and she was just as impressive. That's a really nice backup win for Isla. I like the Isla of the Storm. Third major quarterfinal in the last 15 months. She's up to a career high in the live rankings. Big tournament for Isla Tamjanovic. And then it's the youngest player remaining, Chana Coco Golf, against the oldest, Zheng Shuai. The teenager had the fans on her fingertips. Uh, and she needed every bit of that energy from the crowd, Golf did. Zheng is a tough out on any occasion, but she's been playing great tennis. Had a number of opportunities, Zheng, but Golf just kept fighting back. Backhands like that up the line and using the energy of the crowd. It's easy to get a little discouraged, to get down, especially when you've got so much expectation. But Coco Golf just seems to embrace it. And in the big moments, especially in the first set, that was critical. Golf went for her shots. And in the second, more of the same. There were a lot of long physical rallies, both players using the entire court. But Golf there with the forehand 
gaining confidence. She's been doing a lot of work and in the practice court, after matches, getting extra work in, and I think that's been paying off. She's had more confidence in tight moments in these matches, and this was another big one. You could tell how much she wanted it. Listen to that. Coco, the youngest American woman's reached the quarterfinals in 13 years. I thought the match was very um, high quality. I feel like I was saying to my coach, I feel like I got no free points in that match. And same with her. I don't think I was giving away any free points, you know, despite the double faults. But um, I'm super happy with how I played. It was a mentally a tough and physically a tough match. But um, I think that shows um, all the practices coming together. Zhang had to cover her ears at one point. It was so loud. All four players in the bottom half First-time U.S. Open quarterfinalists. Paul, you'll like this. With no doubles to play today, Coco said she just scrolls on TikTok all day, just like you. Absolutely. That's how you get through the day. I can, <laughs> I can live with that. Yeah. So, John, who comes out of that? That's like all first-time quarterfinalists at the U.S. Open? I think uh, all signs pointing to Coco. And I think, you know, we say it, it sounds like a clean, oh, riding the crowd, and the crowd took him to the finish line. But you really sense that there is this environment when Coco plays where she's benefiting from the kind of crowd support she gets. Some of this is just symbolism and storylines. And if this is uh, ever some torch passing at Serena's last major, if Coco were to come through on the bottom half, there would be something symbolic there. But, no, I think she's playing terrific tennis. I think it's looking really good for Coco. Paul, what did you think of the uh, the Matumbo, the finger wag? She had, she had all the swag going. Yeah, she was – look, even she said she was a lot more demonstrative with her emotions, and I think that that's a good thing. It also has to be a thing that she needs to monitor as well because you don't want to let emotions ride your decision – or override your decision-making process. She's been so great about that so far. Love to see the – passion and most of all love to see her play the big point so well she said new york's bringing out a side of her she hasn't had since she was 15 three years ago she's only 18 now uh john let's preview some of the matches we've got today the world number one Iga Swiatek in action against eula niemeyer we, we got to talk to eula at, at wimbledon fine young player coming up but is there any way Iga loses this match? I, I don't think so, but Niemeyer's a terrific player. This is only her third major, and uh, she, you know, she's never had a top 10 win. She had not won a match WTA Tour level on hard courts until, uh, until this summer. Iga has been, I, I thought, looked very strong. Two majors, top seed, only one match on Ash, but I think Iga's going to be your, your big favorite today. All right, Chanda, we've got the ninth meeting between Victoria Azarenka and Karolina Pliskova. They have split the previous eight. What is going to make the difference today? Well, you look at Ika Azarenka, she's one of three remaining Grand Slam champions in this draw, along with Kvitova and Sviantec. She's got the experience. She understands what it takes to play on this stage. I think that could help her, along with how cleanly she's been hitting the ball, how well she's been competing. That has been big. But Karolina Pliskova has been impressive. She had to come from behind in her last match. She started finding her range, getting more wins. She had a tough start to the year. The first half, first three quarters were, were a little tough for her. But now that she's relaxed and she's finding some confidence, she's always dangerous with the big serving and how cleanly she hits from the ground. So expect this to be a battle. I may give Pliskova the slight edge, but as a rinka, she knows how to get it done at this stage in a major. 
On the men's side, we've got Carlitos Alcaraz, the 19-year-old, taking on a former champion, Paul, 2014 winner. Marin Cilic, what are you going to be looking for in this match? Oh, really, I'm going to be looking at Cilic's first serve percentage. He gets a lot of first serves, and he's got a good shot. If he doesn't, I think it's going to be a long day at the office. I think Alcaraz has too much firepower off of both wings for a prolonged period of time. Marin can try to put some pressure on him with good first serve percentage, and he's got to find a way to attack the Alcaraz second serve. Marin does not want to get get into a counter-punching mode. Uh, the athleticism and the ability for Alcaraz to finish at the net continues to impress. This kid is something really special. And we gave you the little teaser. He could be number one after this tournament. That would be something for young Alcaraz. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty impressive to watch how he has just embraced the mantle that's been placed on him now, Alcaraz, and has been playing some terrific tennis. I think this will be another challenging matchup because Chilich hits the ball so big, so well from the ground. The big serve, those weapons Alcaraz will have to deal with, but so far he has looked fantastic. Two very different opponents match to match, sort of Tricky, crafty Jensen Brooksby. Now he gets a big flat hitter who won this event, albeit eight years ago in Children. Alcaraz, I just think, has been so impressive in part because he just does not have a weakness. He's powerful. He is athletic. He has touch. He can play defense. He can play offense. I don't think he'll have much trouble today. He is just, I mean, there's, there's nothing not to like about this kid and about this game. Alcaraz just beat him in Cincinnati, would be the youngest player to reach back-to-back -back quarterfinals at the U.S. Open since the 1950s. Incredible stuff if he keeps this thing up. Karolina Pliskova got a big match today against Victoria Azarenka, the 2016 U.S. Open runner-up, making her way on site, getting ready to go. Overcast conditions in the city. TC Live at the U.S. Open presented by Evian. We'll be right back. TC Live at the U.S. Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. Welcome back. A reminder to stay connected to the U.S. Open on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Paul's favorite, and YouTube. Join the conversation with hashtag U.S. Open. Steve Weissman back with you. And as we mentioned earlier, there will be a new number one ranked men's player at the end of the U.S. Open, and it could be a first-timer. Both Carlos Alcaraz and Casper Ruud can get to the top spot if Rafa Nadal doesn't win his 23rd major title. A reminder that the Davis Cup Finals are back on Tennis Channel. Tune in 16 nations, including Team USA, face off in the group stage over six days. Live coverage begins Tuesday, September 13th. It is now time for our Bloomberg Business Report. Time now for a special update for Tennis Channel. U.S. markets are closed for Labor Day. The shortened business week follows three straight weeks of stock declines as growth concerns and restrictive central bank policy weigh on markets. OPEC Plus is discussing an output cut of 100,000 barrels a day. Russia's Gazprom made a last-minute decision on Friday not to turn on gas flows to Europe in a crucial pipeline. This follows three days of maintenance. The company said it detected a leak in a pump and provided no indication of how long the fix may take. In New York, the CFO of Bed Bath & Beyond has fallen to his death over the weekend. The New York City Medical Examiner's Office ruled the death 
a suicide. That is according to the New York Times. He was one of the executives who discussed the company's turnaround plans just last Wednesday. From London, Tom McKenzie, Bloomberg News. Thank you so much. Still to come on TC Live, it is Family Ties with Ben Shelton. Plus, our Evian Americans in action include Danielle Collins. And do not miss what Pete Sampras had to say about Serena Williams. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Look who's coming in. Our Cadillac player arrivals. There's Caroline Garcia. Winning his player on tour right now. And she's got some doubles today. One Roland Garros with Kiki Mladenovic. They're playing the round of 16. She can make the quarters in both singles and doubles. And there is your top-ranked American in the world. Men's or women's side. Jessica Pagula. Big match today against Petra Kvitova. Look at that entourage, though. You really have to <laughs> so many. <laughs> Jesse rolls deep. Here's what we got for you. Pre-game show will become a post-game show on Championship Weekend. Do not miss it. TC Live will follow the women's final on Saturday and the men's final on Sunday. Paul is stretching out and getting ready for that. That's just what, This is what I do before we come on air in the green room. Me and J-Dubs get out there, get the rollers going. Yeah, you ever have a mullet? That is rolling deep. <laughs> <laughs> Serena won't add to her Grand Slam total in New York, but she put on a major performance Friday night. Here's a message to Serena from the normally reclusive Pete Sampras that was recently posted by the ATP. Hey, Serena. Uh, Pete Sampras here. You are my idol. Congratulations on everything you've done in this game. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, I'm actually in awe of everything that uh, you've accomplished. You did it your own way, your own style, and that's all you can ask for from our athletes. Now it's time to take a little break, put the feet up, um, enjoy a little time off. Uh, hopefully we can run into each other one day and catch up a little bit. Um, it's been a while, so uh, much respect and love to you, Serena. Uh, so proud of you. Love to hear that from Pistol. Paul, how rare is this for, uh, for Sampras to, to make an appearance? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, everyone knows we don't get to see Pete too much, so um, great to see him, and I think that uh, he kind of sums it up. I mean, Pete is a fan of excellence and it's not a more better uh, situation than this one to jump in and, and chime in. So I think it was, uh, it was great to see Pete uh, have some nice comments for Serena. I think 20 years ago, 20 years ago, <laughs> Pete Sampras won the U.S. Open, his final major. You know who won the women's event that year? Serena Williams. Williams. How weird must it be for Pete Sampras to say, wait, the last time I won a major, she was the women's winner. And now here we are two decades later and uh, she's still going strong. Yeah, I think that's a, the big takeaway as you look at all of the players, the generations that Serena has really played through and up until the end, still very much a factor at any event she decided to play in. So there's still a little uncertainty as to whether or not she is completely done. So <laughs> maybe we can hold out a little hope here. That's right. She said, you never know. Mm -hmm. You never know. We shall see. Uh, let's see what else is trending on social media right now. We heard from Kamala Harris, the president himself, Joe Biden, tweeting to Serena Williams that she's an inspiration and champion of all times. Said thank you for proving that anything is possible. That was pretty cool to see that. And then our guy, Hall of Famer Andy Roddick, posing a, a nice little change of the rules here. Says there should be a rule for pro tennis players, <clears throat> excuse me, that you can't catch your toss 
What do you think about this, Paul? I love it. Uh, I think once the motion starts, it starts. If you throw it, you know, six feet off, you better get over there and try to hit it. I, I don't like the uh, catch toss mm -hmm. play. Right. Never have. Balk. The New York Times, this is Venus here. Venus is a big uh, a toss catcher. New York Times had a great piece uh, about the service toss. Actually, Nick Curios rates very well for consistent tosses. But if nothing else, wouldn't we kind of like to see players? Look at that. That's Sarah Arani, notorious catcher. Wouldn't we like to see players chase these wayward tosses and actually yeah, try to hit fun. serves off? That might be kind of fun. Chanda, what's your take on this? I mean, we'd see a few more footfalls as well. Players trying to chase after errant tosses. I think in the win, it makes it a little tough. I do like the sentiment from Andy Roddick, but I would say just limited. Maybe three a match. You have a limit. Mm. You cannot keep tossing the ball and catching it at will. So I think there's something that definitely should be done. Now, I'll leave it to Andy to keep us all thinking. But I love the fact that it would speed up the game a little bit. Like you said, Chanda, maybe a few more foot faults. And, uh, but I just go back to my big thing is the motion has started. So you have to figure out what to do no matter where the ball is. So I like that. I, I, I think it's fantastic. Let's, let's play the let's on serves. No catching your toss. We'll take that to the commissioner and, and, and get it done. Oh, wait. wait we've got seven, oh, yeah, we've got seven commissioners, yeah. I guess. Let's make Andy Roddick the commissioner and, and get this done. Well, we are going to take a break here on TC Live, but we have much more still to come. We're joined by the man who, you know, could potentially make this happen, at least at the U.S. Open. He's in charge of growing the game in America. Paul and I visit with the CEO of the USTA, Lou Scher, next. Welcome back. It's a reminder to download the U.S. Open app to follow your favorite players, track the latest scores, stats, match highlights, player news, and more. It is available in the App Store and the Google Play Store. We are now happy to welcome in the CEO of the USDA, Lou Scher, to the program. Lou, good morning. It's great to see you. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. Of course. This is your first U.S. Open, Lou. As the CEO, obviously you've been with the USTA for quite some time. Uh, how's it going? What, what's your assessment halfway through the tournament? Yeah, it's been an extraordinary U.S. Open. This is, this is my 13th uh, personally with the organization, and there has never been uh, an event like this one just in terms of energy, size of crowds, uh, amazing tennis, which is always a staple of the Open, but it's just been extraordinary. I'm very fortunate to uh, to be experiencing it in this position. Yeah, Lou, you and I have been around a while, seen a bunch of U.S. Opens, and uh, this one, bittersweet, saying goodbye to Serena Williams, but all the excitement, all the energy that we've seen from her, about her for tennis, it must be amazing, number one. Number two is, how do you take that and translate it and transition it to rackets in hands and keeping them in hands? Yeah, you know, you're right, Paul. It has been an extraordinary opportunity uh, for the tennis world, really. I mean, we're feeling it here in person, but for the uh, the entire world to celebrate Serena and the impact that she's had on this sport, obviously it's bittersweet, uh, as you said, to see her leaving the game or evolving away from playing on the court. But uh, the opportunity to at least celebrate her and experience this with her for all of our fans uh, has has been something that they've really enjoyed and 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 been energized about. So it's been extraordinary in that sense. Uh, but Serena's impact goes so far beyond uh, her performance and excellence on the court. And she has transcended our sport. She is an icon. She has had impact both on the court, off the court, and inspired so many uh, to play. And over the past three years, we've seen extraordinary growth 
in our game, as you're well aware, more than 5 million new players have come into the sport. It's about 30% growth. But Serena's legacy lives on in that that growth is disproportionately coming from youth. It's coming from people of color, uh, Hispanic and, and black African-American players. And, and that, as you know, has been a priority for our organization for uh, many, many, many years. And Serena's impact on that is extraordinary. That's such an amazing story to see a young woman from Compton become a global superstar. And uh, Compton, Southern California, I've been lucky enough to do some work with the good folks at the SCTA, uh, Bob Hochstadler, and uh, also Trevor Cronenman's team has done a great job with the player development. Chris Boyer's done some stuff with the transition tour. How are you guys working nationally with the sections to help grow the game and improve things? Yeah, you know, the, the sections are so vital. I, I, I strongly believe that the opportunity for us to grow the game is for those closest to the delivery of the sport to develop the strategies that, that we can support uh, that are unique to them. Each of our 17 sections has very specific opportunities and challenges and realities. Some lack for courts. Uh, some have weather issues. Some have coaching issues. Some have uh, great strengths with youth. Others have great strengths with adult play. Our role as a national organization is to be of service to those 17 sections, the states, the districts, and everyone involved in delivering our sport at the ground level and help them better execute their individual strategies for their unique situations. Lou, one thing we were blessed to have once again this year was Fan Week, and there were some incredible yeah. events that went on at the center. Uh, what kind of success did you see with that, and how did that help get fans on site? Fan Week was an extraordinary success for us. We had uh, over 110,000 fans uh, come through during that first week, right? The best players in the world are all here practicing. The qualifying tournament is happening. Uh, but we've put uh, amazing energy into making our event accessible to anybody that might want to be inspired to pick up a racket and play the game. So we opened the grounds for free for the week. There are exhibition matches. We had Andy Roddick. We had... Um, Kim Kleister's headline and exhibition event. We had an amazing uh, event to raise uh, funds for Ukrainian humanitarian assistance with Rafa and Coco and a number of other top players participating in that. There are culinary events. We had Joe Jonas and, and dance uh, perform here in concert. Again, all free. And that's where we're unique as a sports organization. Our focus is our mission. And we look at this event as the biggest platform in the game to inspire those who might want to play uh, to do so. And so Fan Week is an incredible opportunity for, to do that. I don't know of many, if any, other sports that will allow fans that type of access free of charge. And at the same time, that's very much a part of our ticketing philosophy. We always want to make sure that, that potential fans and potential players, most importantly, can get onto the grounds and experience the U.S. Open. It's, it's so amazing. The fan experience there is great at the Open. And our sport's driven by our superstars like Serena. She's gone now. We're going to have fond memories and so many great memories. What about Rafa? What, what's Rafa's impact been like and his star power and the impact that he's having there at the U.S. Open? Yeah, you know, we're so fortunate to have so many great, great talents and, and, and all-time greats involved in our sport. Uh, Rafa has a huge following. This event here in New York features the best players in the world, and our fans who come from all over the world know those players, celebrate those players, cheer for those players. And so we're, there's a tremendous excitement building now as Rafa starts to move his way through the tournament. It looks like he's healthy. Uh, so we're quite excited. We know last night there was great energy in the building for him uh, as well. 
and our fans at the same time are incredibly knowledgeable and they're paying attention to who's on the way up. So Alcaraz has a great following. Coco Golf has a great following. And that's exciting, too, as we start to think about the future. Lou Cher, CEO of the USTA, thank you once again for taking some time joining us here on TC Live. And we wish you the best of luck in week two and a great championship weekend. Thanks so much, Stephen Paul. Lou Cher doing a fantastic job there leading the USTA. TC Live at the U.S. Open presented by Evian back after this. Back on TC Live, quad box time. Player fitness deserted. Grandstand, not yet, but look who's coming on the Cadillac. Player arrival, big foe in the house. Taking on Rafa today, Jordi Arcanada, his buddy, hitting partner, right in front of him. On the phone, doing the TikTok, doing the Snapchat. Doing IG. Look at that. He's walking like it's a fifth set. Well, look at the bag on his back. That's a, he's, <laughs> he's got the weight of the entire nation on his shoulders right now. Big match for Francis Tiafo. Yesterday, Ali Risk, 3-0 head-to-head. She brought to the court against Caroline Garcia Chanda, but the French woman, she'd won 11 straight matches. That's been a different Caroline Garcia the last couple of months. She's won three titles on three different surfaces. She's got a game that can adjust, and she did that in the first set. She stayed to course, being a bit more aggressive when she needed to, stepping in on returns, and the belief, the confidence that Garcia has got her to tuck that first set away. Second set, she would take that advantage and get the early break. It's been an exciting style of play for Garcia. Her willingness to come in, to take balls out of the air, to be opportunistic. But it would get a little tricky at the end. This was match point number five. Finally, Garcia able to get it done. Never easy against a person you've lost to before, but Garcia flying high at the U.S. Open. <laughs> Fly with Carol. First U.S. Open quarterfinal without dropping a set for her. Some double scores. How about Layla Fernandez, Jack Sock in the mix getting a nice win. Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury, the top seeds moving on. Former USC Trojan, Juju Olmos teaming up with Gabby Dabrowski. They get a nice three-set win, but uh, the household of keys for Tangelo. Yeah. Mm-mm. Evian, Americans in action. It is time to break down some matches today. John, let's start with Jessica Pagula taking on Petra Kvitova as we look at the Tennis Express head-to-head. It has been 2-0 for Petra Kvitova. What are you looking for in this matchup? Yeah, this is, uh, this is an interesting matchup. They played twice. Kvitova won both. She has a bigger pedigree. And yet, I just see Pagula, all she does is win matches into the second week of the Open for the first time. In her career, she's never beaten a seeded player in New York. She is so steady that I think that might ultimately be the key. Petra sort of hot and cold, often within the same match. When Petra beat Muguruza the other day, that was her first top 10 win in a major in five years. So uh, big match, big opportunity. I, I like the steadiness of Jesse. She won't dazzle you. All she does is win tennis matches. I mean, Petra Kvitova is always a tough out with how big she can hit the ball. And she's starting to put it together in these more sticky, humid conditions. She seems to be embracing those tough moments, had to save match points against Muguruza in what was one of the best battles of the day. Uh, but I do like, as John, you said, I do like how steady Pagula has been. She has seemed unfazed. Even that last match where she was playing against a relatively unknown player in Yuan Yi, and after losing the second set, just calmly 
put down a bagel, did not get too uh, flustered, didn't get bothered, panicked. And that part has been very impressive in the Pagula game. So I like her chances against uh, Kvitova in this matchup, but Kvitova, she's been showing some special stuff. Yeah, it's always tough to weigh what experience and comfort does for a player, but now Jesse's getting more and more comfortable, I think, at the top of the game. You know, been kind of a, a, a solid top tenor now for quite some time, feeling like she belongs. And that steadiness in her game is going to give her a chance, I think, on the courts that are a little bit slower. Petra can take the racket out of your hand. But for Jesse Pagula, who makes you hit one extra ball every time in big moments, that applies pressure. So I look uh, for Jesse to have a real good shot today to create chances for a win. Don't sleep on Jesse, and the crowd could be a major factor for the American number one as well. Speaking of Americans, Danielle Collins, she has lost all of her previous matchups to Arena Sabalenka, but Chanda, that was before she was a major champion for Sabalenka. We look at her Wilson, beautiful power brought to you by the all-new Ultra V4. What do you see here? I mean, Sabalenka, talking about someone who can take the racket out of your hand. Don't often know where Sabalenka is going to be on the spectrum. She can be hit or miss, but, you know, she's finding ways to put it together. And in one of her earlier matches against a very dangerous Kai Kanepi, she stayed the four, saved match points. I think with these types of weapons, the forehand, the serve, I mean, she can blast it at will. I think that gives Sabalenka a real advantage on these courts. You see her moving well when she's been playing her best. And, you know, I think she's got a good shot. She's got to like her chances in this matchup. It's going to be a terrific battle, though. On the men's side, big foe Francis Tiafo. He's been kind of under the radar moving into the fourth round, Paul. That ends today because he is playing the four-time champion, Rafa Nadal. What is the winning strategy for Francis Tiafo today? I think Francis has to find a way early on to impact the Nadal serve. Rafa hasn't played a ton of matches. And also coming off that ab issue at Wimbledon, hasn't been able to serve as much as he wants. So for Francis, impact the Nadal serve early on, especially second serve looks that you get. And we've seen that Rafa is a little bit slow starting this tournament, except against Richard Gasquet, which is normal. Uh, so Francis needs to get off to a good start and really good shot uh, selection decisions from Tiafo under pressure. So it's going to be a great, great challenge for Francis, but he's playing big-time tennis, and uh, we all know how much fun he has playing in New York. You say that about pressure. We sometimes joke the key to the match is to win the last point. And yet I, I think that has some real some resonance today because Francis can play dazzling in stretches and sometimes he has a hard time just closing out the decision making goes a little. Francis will be using this crowd. I mean, it, it sounds trite. This is what you play for. It's Labor Day weekend. It's Arthur Ashe Stadium. It's Nadal on the other side of the net. This could be the biggest win of Francis's career and I think he's got a real shot. I think for Francis Tiafo, the biggest thing is going to be his mindset, how he approaches this match. If he believes he can win, he said, I'm going to go after Rafa Nadal. That is the exact mindset and the style that he needs to employ. He's been so good in tight moments that match against Schwartzman. He was impressive the way he took his opportunities, didn't get distracted, didn't lose focus. He's going to need that type of play against Nadal. The serving, I think, has been a real weapon for Tiafo. He's been clutch in important moments. So all of that put together, that is the way to victory against a guy who is so tough to push out of points. Chanda, he said, I believe I can beat him. And, and I don't know in those two previous matchups if he really did, but this is a, a maturing Francis Tiafo that has brought his best to New York City thus far. Still to come, 
The father-son dynamic changing a little bit for the Shelton family. We'll explain on TC Live. Welcome back. There is nothing like laboring on Labor Day if you're a tennis player in New York City. Top-ranked American Jesse Pagula looking to make her first quarterfinal at the U.S. Open. Francis Tiafo would be the youngest to do it since Andy Roddick taking on Nadal. Danielle Collins, Carlos Alcaraz headlined the night session. And then over on Louis Armstrong, we've got the women's top seed, Iga Sviantec, looking to make her deepest run in New York. Two former number ones going head-to-head, -head, Azarenka Pliskova and Yannick Sinner hoping to complete his box set of major quarterfinals. Well, 19-year-old Ben Shelton made his U.S. Open main draw debut this year. He earned a wild card after winning the NCAA individual singles title for Florida in May. More success would follow, and that convinced Ben and his dad, Brian, who was a former top 55 player, that Ben should go pro. Here is more on the incredible father-son tennis story. family certainly values athletics so when Ben came along and he was born you know I certainly wanted him to pursue some form of, of athletics. I didn't really want anything to do with tennis I was like okay that's their thing my dad can be the coach and my sister can be the player. So I didn't start at first it was more my sister she got into it. I went out there and played a few times with her and I was like okay like I'm, I'm pretty good at this. This is something that I could uh, really get into. So he decided to start coming out with his sister, Emma, and I, and we started working out in the mornings, and he started developing a love for the game. It was difficult at times to wear a dad hat and know when to put that one on and, and when to put the coach hat on. The conversation pretty much always carried to the house. Everything in life was just kind of brought back to tennis, or tennis was taken to like life. Even at the dinner table when we're sitting there having dinner and they're like, Dad, how do you relate everything you talk about back to tennis? At first it was a little weird because I was like, oh, like, I didn't really want to listen. I just wanted to do my own thing, just hit the ball as hard as I could. But uh, we get better every single year at working with each other. I mean, he's a little bit tougher on me at times, but I know what he wants me to do and uh, he knows what I'm trying to do, so we work pretty well together. I'm just super proud of Ben for where he is right now as a young man. To see his growth, how he's just matured as a person, it's incredible. Ben lost a tough five-setter first round to Nuno Borges. He did win a, a doubles match one round with uh, Chris Eubanks. He's up to 171. Chanda in the world. He actually beat Casper Ruud over in Cincinnati. Uh, how do you think his game translates to the pro level? I think we're seeing how well he can stack up against some of the top players. Certainly the match against Casper Ruud, a little different style of play, and maybe give Ben Shelton more of an advantage on these hard courts. But it's never easy to beat a guy who has been playing as well as Ruud has this year, who has that kind of confidence uh, at the top of the game. I love the way he attacks Shelton. I like how he's never afraid to come in, take balls out of the air, do the sneak attacks. He's got a big serve. That game, when you have weapons like that, 
that's the type of game that can translate on any surface. And as he gains experience and confidence, I think he'll only get better. And it's just been fun to watch this relationship between father and son. I knew Brian Shelton, when he played on tour, he always had this big smile on his face. He had the positive attitude. He was willing to put in the work when the cameras weren't there. And I think that's translating into the work ethic that his son has. So it'll be fun to watch him as he progresses in his career. You could see from that video, nice measured personality. He doesn't turn 20 until next month and may well be inside the top 150 when the rankings come out uh, a week from today. I also think this decision to turn pro was not taken lightly. I mean, he was playing for his father in Florida, only 19 years old. So clearly enough people said, look, there's real potential here. A top five win in Cincinnati. There's a lot of game. The lefty look is always going to give people problems. I think there's, there's a really bright future here. And the fact that he turned pro, I think, is really significant into what they're hearing about potential. Yeah, you know, one of the hardest decisions for transitioning college player to pro tennis player is when do you do it? And, and for Ben, what's he going back to school for? Is it for an education? That's fine. That's absolutely fine. If he's to continue his education and further it, that's the right thing to do. If it's for his tennis, there's not really a better opportunity than he has right now, winning NCAAs, beating Casper Ruud in Cincinnati. So in terms of the opportunity to be marketable, to set up a good foundation for him, to get contracts to allow him to kind of springboard onto the Pro Tour is great. And at 171 in the world, he's just a couple good tournaments away from top 100. So there's a lot of pros here. And look, I've known Brian for a long time. Just a great guy, very thoughtful. Uh, I'm sure he wouldn't have taken this lightly at all. Lots of good talks with the family. I think it's a good move. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of Ben real soon. That win against Casper, youngest American to beat a top five player since Andy Roddick. Andy told me that uh, Ben's been working a little bit with Andy's old coach, Dean Goldfein, who just raves about his work ethic. Big things to come for Ben Shelton. A lot more to come here on TC Live. For Kosh Worldwide, going one-on-one -on -one with Taylor Townsend. Another No Limit NYC episode of Brilliant Shenanigans you don't want to miss. Welcome back to TC Live. Here comes Petra Kvitova, two-time quarterfinalist, double-fisting the coffees this morning. A little extra energy. A reminder, the Tennis Channel Podcast Network has all your favorite shows in one place, including the new season of Think About It with Victoria Azarenka. Go to tennis.com slash podcast to listen or download from your preferred podcast provider. Here are some of the podcasts you can tune into. Kamal Murray with the Tennis.com podcast. Of course, Money Mitch Michaels has Tennis Channel Inside In. And you can listen to the entire TC Live podcast version as well. Well, Nick Kyrgios has his own podcast. It's called No Boundaries. That could also be the title of a book on Serena Williams, who has spent her entire career breaking them down. Kyrgios recently honored the legend on her farewell from the game. If I had one message for Serena, uh, I would like to just let you know that you're an absolute inspiration and motivation to millions of people worldwide. I think you don't get enough credit for how much you actually inspire kids to, to be great and to believe in themselves and to not worry about any of the outside noise, negativity, and to be comfortable in their own skin. And, and all the youngsters can achieve something very special if they put their mind to it, no matter where you're from. I, I really do hope you get that message because that's the strongest message I think an athlete can send. 
Love that from Nick. We will be celebrating Serena all tournament long with our Tennis Honor Series. And straight ahead, we've got the top highlights and reaction from yesterday. Plus, get you all set for today's action. Don't go anywhere. Shannon John Paul, Steve, back on TC Live, presented by Evian. USOpen.org is your online home for point-by-point -point live scoring, highlights, real-time stats, and draws. Visit the official tournament site at USOpen.org. All right, let's get back to the highlights. This was a fourth round that felt like a final, Paul. Nick Kyrgios, Daniil Medvedev putting on a show inside Arthur Ashe Stadium. Guys, I don't want to tell you I told you so, but I told you so. There you go. It was electricity out here. Look at this 12-11 in the tiebreak. It was a titanic battle in the first set. The Australian got through it, and then... Uh, then there was a little bit of craziness at the beginning of the seconds, but some good battles, some great rallies, and Medvedev shows just how difficult it is to finish points. That one was very costly, and that gave Medvedev the break and got him on a roll in the third. We wondered how Nick was going to respond with all that talent of his. Look at this move right here, guys. Notice the score. It's 1-0, Kyrgios, 30-all, and Nick crosses the net which you're not allowed to do, and take the ball out of the air. Now, if the ball bounces on his side and then comes back, then he can reach over or go around, but you can't run through there, Nick. You should know better. Uh, anyway, did not get that game, but boy, did he raise it up after that, playing some great tennis. It was just electric in there. Nick Kyrgios creates so many problems for so many players, even the world number one. Medvedev tried to return from different positions, in close, backed up, did different things, but that man was not ruffled, and he did a great job. Kyrgios into his first quarterfinal at the U.S. Open. The defending champion is out. Yeah, Nick, Nick played good. Uh, I mean, it was pretty even till the third set, and he got a little bit uh, uh, the better of me. It's a pity because today I felt a little bit uh, sick, and uh, the thing is that in US, I, in USA I, I get sick once time uh, for sure in the swing because the AC is just crazy. And I think that physically maybe that uh, played a, bit, a, li a little bit of a role. Uh, and at the same time, that's not a, an excuse at all because Nick played uh, good and he he played uh, he beat me in Montreal. I was not sick, <laughs> so uh, yeah. But that's uh, what it is. I feel like I've just been able to showcase. You know, there's a lot of celebrities here. There's a lot of important people here watching, and I wanted to, you know, get on that court and, and show them that I am able to put my head down and play and win these big matches. And for the tennis world, I think it's important as well because people were really starting to doubt my ability to pull out matches like this at, at, at majors and. I'm really proud of myself, honestly, because it hasn't been easy dealing with all the criticism. As he should be. Nick Kyrgios up to 18 in the live rankings. He is the number one Aussie again, and that's without the Wimbledon yeah. final points, Chanda, which is so impressive. What impressed you the most about how he got past the world number one? I was impressed with how he reset. That second set went very quickly in Medvedev's favor. And towards the end of it, we kind of wondered, Kyrgios self-destruct, would he go away and just kind of, you know, chalk it up? Uh, and I think the fact that he battled to get on the board, to kind of get a little momentum at the end of the second, 
he was able to take that into the third. And I was also impressed with how calm he stayed overall. There were a few moments where he started chirping. He was talking about the serve clock and how quickly they were resetting that on him. And he needed time to get back and get his towel. A few moments where it just looked like he was going to try to create a problem, but he calmed down, he settled and got into the back into that match very quickly. And he needed to against Medvedev, who was so solid and almost not giving Kyrgios a little pace at times. I think that was something Kyrgios had to work through, but he did a beautiful job on serve, gave himself some opportunity stepping in on returns. He went after that match and took it in the end, and it was an impressive performance. You say self-destruct in creating problems. Can we talk about the craziest way to lose a point I think I've ever seen in a tennis match? I want to ask this, though, to the uh, former players on the panel. I had another former player say he loved it. You know why? Because it showed he was in Medvedev's head. Look, I can do something crazy in the middle of this tight match. That's how confident I am of my ability. And as boneheaded as that was, I mean, I've never seen a play like that. But we, everybody sort of rolled their eyes and said, that's Nick. And I had a former player suggest it actually was a nice bit of strategy, whether that was by accident or by design, because it sort of showed Medvedev, look, this is how confident I am right now. I'm willing to do something like this. Thoughts? Paul Anakin and Chanda, what do you think? I'll tell you what, I, I think that's a little bit out there. I don't think Nick did it on purpose. Our good friend Patrick McEnroe had to explain the rule to him on the changeover, what he didn't do. And the thing that was shocking to me was the score line, right? It was 30-all. That would have given him a break point. <laughs> I mean, I understand the part about getting in Medvedev's head, but that's not the way to do it at that moment. And I actually think that's why Nick didn't respond so harshly to the chair or whatever, because he just wasn't sure about the rule. But when you're playing as well as he was playing and you keep things reeled in mentally, focused with the task at hand, he is such a joy to watch and no one wants to play him. No one's safe. The best players in the world are not safe against Nick Kyrgios. And uh, I just want to see more tennis like that from him. It has been so much fun to watch. A focused Nick Kyrgios is the most dangerous tennis player in the world. He said three more matches and he may not have to ever play again. He might just drop the mic if he wins the U.S. Open. We got Kasparud in action against Quarantine Mute, John. Uh, the lucky loser could be the first to ever reach a major quarterfinal, but Rude has hopes of getting to number one in the world. Yeah, Rude, who entered the U.S. Open three and four at this event for his career. So sub 500 for a five-seed. Shots like that are going to improve upon that record, and he was uh, terrific against lucky loser you can see Mute is the, the lefty. Lucky just to be in the draw, and he made the most of it, but his luck ran out yesterday. This was a nice touch here. Easy first two sets for Rude, the five seed. Mute made a nice match of this one, the third. There's a little bit of dispute. Uh, at one point, Mute was going to hit a ball out of a stadium and basically said, you know what, you want to penalize me? Get, go ahead, give me the game. I'm not going to succeed here anyway. And then Rude ended up closing this out. Long match, I mean, for... Four sets, three of which weren't really close, well over three hours. But Casper Rude, five seed, advances to the quarters. Said it was a dream to play in Arthur Ashe Stadium, and now we can tell his kids, future grandkids, future kids as well, by the way, for Casper, that he won in Arthur Ashe. Uh, we had a five-set thriller, Chanda, between Matteo Berrettini and Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. Oh, this was the first match of the day, and they had this crowd on Armstrong rocking. Berrettini battling back after losing the first set, getting it in the tiebreak. He had to be aggressive, stepping in on returns like that. We know how big Berrettini can hit the forehand, but he was also getting it done on the backhand when he needed to. And into the fourth set, 
Davidovich Fokina, he turned the tables and was able to take it into the fifth. He's been an impressive guy, Davidovich Fokina. He is a good competitor. He forced Berrettini to come up with some of his best shots in the big moments. But at the end, Berrettini with just a little too much confidence and this little flicker lob is a really perfect way to close. A fun, entertaining match. Berrettini gets it in five. How about this little nugget? Matteo Berrettini has now reached at least the quarterfinals in his last five major appearances. That is solid play from the Italian. So we've got Nick Kyrgios taking on Corinne Hatchinoff in the quarters and then Berrettini Rude. Those are some blockbusters as half of the final eight is already filled out. And the race for number one, Daniil Medvedev, he is out of there. So who's going to take over the top spot? Rafa Nadal controls his own destiny. He reaches the final. He is the number one man. But if not, could be Carlos Alcaraz, could be Kasparud for Alcaraz, would be the first teenager ever in the history of the ATP rankings to get to number one. Speaking of teenagers, coming up next, Coco Goff continues her quest for major success. Don't miss what had the crowd chanting her name. Annika and Ruben Wertheim Weissman back on TC Live at the U.S. Open, presented by Evian. Our coverage begins every morning, two-hour show, 9 a.m. Eastern. ESPN carries the day session at 11 a.m. Eastern and the night session over on the Deuce, 7 p.m. Eastern. Al-Jabur looking for her first win over Veronica Kudermetova in their fourth meeting, Paul. As John mentioned yesterday in the stat of the day, Kudermetova had won all 27 of her service games coming in. Yeah, well, that changed today, but uh, Al-Jabur has not had great luck against her in the past. Looks like the same was going to happen. 5-3 Kudermetova serving for that first set. Jabur turns it into overdrive, break serve, and does a really nice job in the tie break. Again, using variety to get to offense. Look right here. Forehand down the line. Winner gives her a 4-0 cushion. Gets up to 6-1. Just some really good tennis from Jabur. Smart tennis using great feel on the lob. The 1-2 punch on the passing sequence. And that seals the first set. Once she got that under her belt, lots of confidence for Jabur. Breaks here to go up 3-1. And... Uh, Really a nice job uh, just staying concentrated and fighting hard, doing the right things, and uh, just a solid win to break uh, all of those losses to Kuder Makotova. Yeah, 11 aces for Jabur continues to make some history. And then, John, we had Isla Tomjanovic coming off that win against Serena Williams, playing Ludmila Samsonova, who had won 13 in a row coming in. Of the storm. Uh, much different type of environment from her previous match, and you know what? She backed it up quite nicely. Look at this. This is set point number four. There were eight of them in all, and Samsonova converted none of them. Isla just wouldn't back down. Eight. Another out. Look at that. That was only that was one of only nine winners. So uh, a lot of nice defense. Samsonova, 56 unforced errors. Mm, that's a lot. Uh, that's a nice shot by Iowa, though. More of the same. This was really impressive. You beat Serena Williams, match of your career. 48 hours later, you're not on ash. You're not playing the greatest of all time. Much different environment, and she was just as impressive. That's a really nice backup win for Isla. I like the Isla of the Storm. Third major quarterfinal in the last 15 months. She's up to a career high in the live rankings. Big tournament for Isla Tomjanovic. And then it's the youngest player remaining, Chana Coco Golf, against the oldest, Zheng Shuai. The teenager had the fans on her fingertips. Uh, 
you needed every bit of that energy from the crowd off the edge. Young is a tough out on any occasion, but she's been playing great tennis. Had a number of opportunities, Young, but Goff just kept fighting back. Backhands like that up the line and using the energy of the crowd. It's easy to get a little discouraged, to get down, especially when you've got so much expectation. But Coco Goff just seems to embrace it. And in the big moments, especially in the first set, that was critical. Goff went for her shots. And in the second, more of the same. There were a lot of long physical rallies, both players using the entire court. But Goff there with the forehand, gaining confidence. She's been doing a lot of work in, uh, in the practice court, after matches, getting extra work in, and I think that's been paying off. She's had more confidence in tight moments in these matches, and this was another big one. You could tell how much she wanted it. Listen to that. Coco, the youngest American woman's reached the quarterfinals in 13 years. I thought the match was very... Um, high quality. I feel like I was saying to my coach, I feel like I got no free points in that match. And same with her. I don't think I was giving away any free points, if, you know, despite the double faults. But um, I'm super happy with how I played. It was a mentally a tough and physically a tough match. But um, I think that shows um, all the practices coming together. Zhang had to cover her ears at one point. It was so loud. All four players in the bottom half, first time U.S. Open quarter finalists. Paul, you'll like this. With no doubles to play today, Coco said she just scrolls on TikTok all day, just like you. Absolutely. That's how you get through the day. I can, <laughs> I can live with that. Yeah. So, John, who comes out of that? That's like all first-time quarterfinalists at the U.S. Open? I think uh, all signs pointing to Coco. And I think, you know, we say it, it sounds like a clear, oh, riding the crowd, and the crowd took him to the finish line. But you really sense that there is this environment when Coco plays where she's benefiting from the kind of crowd support she gets. Some of this is just symbolism and storylines. And if this is uh, ever some torch passing at Serena's last major, if Coco were to come through on the bottom half, there would be something symbolic there. But, no, I think she's playing terrific tennis. I think it's looking really good for Coco. Paul, what did you think of the uh, the Matumbo, the finger wag? She had, she had all the swag going. Yeah, she was – look, even she said she was a lot more demonstrative with her emotions. And I think that that's a good thing. It also has to be a thing that she needs to monitor as well because you don't want to let emotions run your decision or override your decision making process she's been so great about that so far love to see the passion and most of all love to see her play the big point so well she said new york's bringing out a side of her she hasn't had since she was 15 three years ago she's only 18 now uh john let's preview some of the matches we've got today the world number one Iga Sviantek in action against eula niemeyer we, we got to talk to eula at, at wimbledon fine young player coming up but is there any way Iga loses this match? I, I don't think so, but Niemeyer's a terrific player. This is only her third major, and uh, she, you know, she's never had a top 10 win. She had not won a match WTA Tour level on hard courts until, uh, until this summer. Iga has been, I, I thought, looked very strong. Two majors, top seed, only one match on Ash, but I think Iga's going to be your, your big favorite today. All right, Chanda, we've got the ninth meeting between Victoria Azarenka and Karolina Pliskova. They have split the previous eight. What is going to make the difference today? Well, you look at Vika Azarenka. She's one of three remaining Grand Slam champions in this draw, along with Kvitova and Sviantek. She's got the experience. She understands what it takes to play on this stage. I think that could help her, along with how cleanly she's been hitting the ball, how well she's been competing. 
that has been big. But Carolina Pliskova has been impressive. She had to come from behind in her last match. She started finding her range, getting more wins. She had a tough start to the year, the first half. First three quarters were, were a little tough for her, but now that she's relaxed and she's finding some confidence, she's always dangerous with the big serving and how cleanly she hits from the ground. So expect this to be a battle. I may give Pushkova the slight edge, but as a rinka, she knows how to get it done at this stage in a major. On the men's side, we've got Carlitos Alcaraz, the 19-year-old, taking on a former champion, Paul, 2014 winner, Marin Cilic. What are you going to be looking for in this match? Well, really, I'm going to be looking at Cilic's first serve percentage. He gets a lot of first serves, and he's got a good shot. If he doesn't, I think it's going to be a long day at the office. I think Alcaraz has too much firepower off of both wings for a prolonged period of time. Marin can try to put some pressure on him with good first serve percentage, and he's got to find a way to attack the Alcaraz second serve. Marin does not want to get into a counterpunching mode. Uh, the athleticism and the ability for Alcaraz to finish at the net continues to impress. This kid is something really special, and we gave you the little teaser. He could be number one after this tournament. That would be something for young Alcaraz. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty impressive to watch how he has just embraced the mantle that's been placed on him now, Alcaraz, and has been playing some terrific tennis. I think this will be another challenging matchup because Chilich hits the ball so big, so well from the ground. The big serve, those weapons Alcaraz will have to deal with, but so far he has looked fantastic. Two very different opponents match to match, sort of Tricky, crafty Jensen Brooksby. Now he gets a big flat hitter who won this event, albeit eight years ago in Children. Alcaraz, I just think, has been so impressive in part because he just does not have a weakness. He's powerful. He is athletic. He has touch. He can play defense. He can play offense. I don't think he'll have much trouble today. He is just, I mean, there's, there's nothing not to like about this kid and about this game. Alcaraz just beat him in Cincinnati, would be the youngest player to reach back-to-back -back quarterfinals at the U.S. Open since the 1950s. Incredible stuff if he keeps this thing up. Karolina Pliskova got a big match today against Victoria Azarenka, the 2016 U.S. Open runner-up, making her way on site, getting ready to go. Overcast conditions in the city. TC Live at the U.S. Open presented by Evian. We'll be right back. Back with more Cadillac player arrivals. There's your top-ranked player in the world. Iga Sviantek. 9-0 against German players. Taking on Eula Niemeyer today. She's only dropped 15 games in three matches thus far. She's on Louis Armstrong, the world number one. And then it is Team Kasper Rude. Papa Christian. Who's going to be the uh, first Norwegian number one? Could be Kasper. Takes on Matteo Berrettini in the quarterfinals. Looking relaxed and ready to go for that one. ReminderTennis.com is your source for all the news scores and info at the U.S. Open. We've got all the Serena content you could ever want. Steve Dickner every day. Fantastic job on the three to see. Plus tragedy, tennis, and ultimately triumph. The remarkable story, Kylie Osage. Time now for our daily dose of Prakash Worldwide. Welcome to another episode of No Limit NYC with your boy Prakash Worldwide, and this is where it's all going down. So what better spot to talk to one of the people's favorites, Miss TT. TT, what's going on? Wait, 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 wait. What is this? This is my, this is my stuff, my swag. What I, is this? Loser. No, 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 no. What, what do you want? 
This is it's still too tight. I need I need you to understand what, what, what oversize is. The only way that I agreed to do this is if you wore an oversized tee. You would you were serious? Yes, I'm dead serious. And you need to cover up the biceps. So you uh, turn the turn the turn the shit on. <laughs> So we're supposed to have a serious conversation like this? Yes. I'm gonna pick one of my TT favorite moments. Okay. Inside Arthur Ashe, taking out Simona Hallam. Another major upset in the women's draw at this year's US Open. It gives me goosebumps every time that I think about it. That was definitely the best moment of my career, but like me leaving in 2020, three months pregnant, being able to come back here, you know, with my son with me, like it's just such an amazing and kind of like humbling moment. You're looking like a badass mama right now. Thank you. You're playing well, you're winning. Might even be in the best shape you've been in. Yeah, my one goal that I set was I want to come back better than I left. And I think that I did that and I'm trying to embody that every day. Now, I do want to pick some brains of all the people around because okay. you're the one who asks questions, get questions asked, but I want to open it up to the, okay. to the people. You guys look like you guys are about to step on the court. Got to see you at the Atlanta Open. Yeah, I saw you at the Philadelphia Freedoms. I got your uh, no way. I got your signature. Nice. What's your favorite thing about your first experience? We didn't get into see Serena, but we were just out here with the crowd, just mm -hmm. enjoying it, and just like cheered with everyone. Yeah. Like the energy, you can't beat it. No. What kind of music do you listen to? Well, right now I'm heavy into Afro beats. Me too. Yeah. yeah. You are? Yeah. Have you ever heard Flying Lotus? No. I really want to know, what do you think we should do to increase the tennis population among people of color? Oh, well, I think that we're on the right track because I think that the first thing it is is exposure. I mean, most people don't really know what it takes to, to, to even start. You've completely hit the nail on the head and also changing the perception. It should be considered, you know, cool and fun and for everyone, which, um, it, but it, it's on its way. It's on its Perfect. way. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Woman of the people, amongst the people, one of, one of my more fun, no limit episodes that we've done over here. Hey, you just gotta make me one promise. I don't have to look like Big Bird next time we do this. Well, if you, how about you go to the store and buy something bigger than extras medium? You know, Andy already gives me enough grief on TC Live, but that now you join in the fun. Oh, but honestly, but, though, I, out of all the things, it does look good. So it's worth it. <laughs> I love my girl TT. I love my girl TT. Hello, everyone. This is Taylor Townsend, and you are watching No Limit NYC with Prakash Worldwide. <laughs> oh, Taylor, you are the best. Uh, TT is playing doubles today with Katie McNally, looking to make the quarterfinals. Great stuff by Prakash and Taylor Townsend. Keep that shirt, Prakash. Reminder, the newly enhanced USOpenShop.org is the official shop for 2022 US Open merchandise. Get US Open gear for the entire family. Check out a variety of one-of-a-kind US Open accessories. Visit USOpenShop.org today. Carolina Pliskova back in the fitness area, getting ready to go, playing Victoria Azarenka. We've got our guaranteed picks coming up. Will Chanda guarantee one of these players to win? TC Live at the U.S. Open is brought to you in part by Cadillac. Be iconic. All right, we are moments away from first ball. People, stars in the stands.
There she is. Not Ooh. Snooky, but uh, Sarah Snook. How That's good is Succession, guys? Shiv Roy yes, right there. Right. How and, good is Succession? Uh, she did not take the subway out. No. Of tennis, I suspect. Uh, no. All-time great show. Yeah, Shiv Roy is a great uh, yeah. heiress to a yeah. you know, multi-billion dollar real uh, media fortune. There you go. <laughs> Who else do we have? We got Retta and Cal Penn. What's your, will you have a little tidbit of No, Retta's Red, been out here before. Our colleague Jen Arianis, I believe they were high school classmates in New Jersey. Retta, big tennis fan though. And uh, that might even be the Tennis Channel box perhaps. But uh, no, Retta, big tennis fan and Cal Penn, nice to see him too. In the Obama administration, right? Cal Penn? That's right. Yeah, yeah very good. Smart guy. For more People Magazine stars in the stands, go to people.com. You hear the music, you know what it is. John Wertheim, stat of the day. What do we have? Dun, 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 dun. Daniil Medvedev was eliminated. What does that mean? It means a new number one. It also means a new champion here. So get this, in the 90s, you had Pete Sampras, you had Edberg, you had Rafter. All of them defended their title. Roger Federer defended his title four times from 04 to 08. And since that mm. match, Martin Del Potro in 2009. New champions every year through this year. So we're going on, uh, what are we now, 15 years of yeah. uh, a defending champion not defending. It's kind of wild. On the men's side, Serena did it 13 and 14. Let's point that out. Yeah, you forget with the, how dumb that's a lot of years for Roger to win. And uh, going to be exciting last tail end right? of this tournament in both draws. Mm -hmm. Archetta, it is your first time with us on uh, the prediction segment. We, we started with upsets, and now it's guaranteed winners. So we're giving you Jeannie Bouchard's hey. record, which puts you in the lead. Four and two so far. You okay with that? <laughs> I love taking over other players' wins. I mean, it never happened to me. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> You know, you're a doubles Grand Slam that. champion, so now it's a little doubles action, and it's 4-2. Uh, took four you to two. match point. Close it out. Yeah. Hope, hopefully I don't mess her up. If I do, Jeannie, I'm so sorry. You did great. I was watching, by the way. I'm going to try to keep it going. Should I give you my pick now? Yep. Yeah. All right, Chad. So you ready we'll, we'll, let, you, we'll yep. let you go first. Who's your guaranteed winner today? I mean, I'm going to take the hard one and go Iga Shriantek. Oh, <laughs> I, mean, I, think I love Iga it. Is... <laughs> Way out on a limb. I, look, I got to keep Jeannie's streak going. I got to try my best here. Yeah, I think Iga Shriantek, she's looked so good. And um, Eula Niemeyer, she has been terrific mm. getting to this stage. But I think it may be just a little too much for her, the occasion and the quick play of Iga Shriantek. So we're going to go with the world number one. Go with the top seed, trying to get to five and two. Uh, Paul, you're on a two-match winning streak. You're on fire. Who you got? I'm going with Yannick Sinner. I think the young, young Italian's going to take out Ivashka. Ivashka's had a great tournament, took out Hubie Hercotch early on. But I think perhaps a fuel tank may be a little low. And uh, I think this is Sinner's time. He's going to play some big-time tennis. I, I, uh, I feel like we need different picks. We do these in isolation. I had Iga as well. I think Niemeyer is a really talented player, but right now she's outside the top 100. Would have had to qualify if she were only a few spots lower. Great tournament for her for the second major in a row, but I do think that Iga is a heavy, heavy favorite there as the top seed. If I had to pick someone different than Miss Rubin. <laughs> that didn't count. I, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I mean, can, can Francis beat Rafa? I just, I worry about best of five, and I worry about just sort of Rafa settling into Rafa's, and we've seen this, where he'll, he'll lose the first set, and it's like, all right, now he's got to start playing. It doesn't even seem like a threat. Uh, this would be a huge opportunity for Francis, but um, I, I have a hard time seeing that's it, a, guys. That's a, that's a tough one. How about Rublev Nori? Mm. That, that's like a 
Who, who that, are you taking? That is not a guaranteed win in that one. What I'm going to go with Cam Norrie in that one. Interesting. Chanda, who do you think wins that one? Um, I'm kind of thinking Norrie as well. And, John, I thought, John, you were going to go with Alcaraz. I thought you were going to swoop in yeah. and kind of take that. Take that one on me. I'll, I'll take Alcaraz. Don't, don't draft me. Don't draft me. Take it, Don't draft me. I like your pick. I um, that, that Nori Rublev though. That's that's like a close one. to fifty. That's that's a really fun contrast match. But um, no, good good matches today. Not easy to pick guaranteed winners at this stage of the tournament. Unless you pick Iga, like you two chickens. <laughs> yeah, I mean that chickens did. It's fine for Chanda because it's day one. Like you know, she's coming into the game. Yeah. But John, you know better. Steve. All right. I think somebody on this couch. I think somebody on this couch picked uh, Nick Kyrgios the other day. Not in this segment, that? but I said I would. He be did it two days in a row. If no, Kyrgios you, did not. You can take all the credit, Paul. Thank yeah, you. No, that was a good. He's, one. Play, he's playing for back. celebrities like one. you. I'll pat myself right. on the back. He knows you're watching. I'm taking Danielle Collins today. I think she, oh, she takes one. out Arena Sabalenka. That's not going to be a match of subtleties. There's going to be a lot of power going on in that match. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah. See if we can get a couple of Americans into the quarterfinals. Why not? not? A lot still uh, to get to. We've got TC Live every day, 9 a.m. Eastern, presented by Evian. And then next up is the premiere of Academy Live featuring Ricardo Piatti's Academy in Italy. That is pretty cool stuff. So that's next up here on Tennis Channel. Nick at night. It is a can't-miss show. He'll do stuff like this, no. like like illegally hitting balls Whoops, on the other yeah, side of the net and just be like, oh, it's all good. That was so See much tomorrow. fun. I don't care if it was illegal. <laughs>